The gospel appointed for this Sunday comes from Matthew chapter 18. Jesus says, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. What do we do when a fellow Christian has sinned? And maybe just to make sure we define that word sin, we're not talking about, I just have a, a difference of opinion on what you should have done there. We're talking about a violation of God's holy will. What he says in his word is wrong. To do or wrong not to do. When God himself has spoken, and we don't, or we do, and we break that law, we violate that word of God, that's sin. And we're not talking about sins that a Christian has repented of and have already been forgiven. We're not talking about coming and rubbing them back in their faces and reminding them of the bad things that they've done when they've already confessed them and received God's forgiveness. We're talking about sins that are unrepentant. Sins that they are holding on to. Sins that they are not sorry for. Sins that they haven't led, been led to confess and receive forgiveness for. What do we do when a fellow Christian has sinned? I know what we want to do. <laughs> we want to do nothing. We'd rather say, well, it's not my problem. It's not my business. They're making their own decisions. They, they, they can do what they want to do. I know what we want to do. We want to say, that's someone else's responsibility. Someone else will talk to them about that. Someone else will approach them. Someone maybe that's closer, someone that knows them better, or maybe someone who doesn't know them as well as I do. I know what we want to do when a fellow Christian sins. We want to convince ourselves, well, who am I? Right, I'm a sinner too. Who am I to go to point out someone else's faults when I've got a whole lot of my own? I know what we want to do. We don't want to make it our responsibility. We want to maybe just pray and, and, and hope it works itself out somehow. But the truth is, dear Christian, 
you are told to do something. And that's what this section is all about here this morning. These words of Jesus. Jesus tells us what to do when a fellow Christian sins. There are other parts of Scripture that talk about how to do it. We are, we are told to speak the truth and we are to do that in love. Right, Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount about, you know, before you try to take the, the speck of sawdust out of a brother's eye, you better take the plank out of your own eye first. You know, that, that's the attitude with which we do this. It's, it's realizing I'm a sinner too, that I need God's forgiveness just as much as this person. As we just sang in that hymn, we want and we're told to be God's humble instruments. We come in humility. We come in gentleness and kindness and love. There's a lot of scriptures about how we do it, but here Jesus is very clear that we are to do it. And so if that's where you're hung up, if you're thinking this is not my business, this is not my problem, this is not my responsibility, Jesus has some, something else for you to consider this morning. These words are here to show you that it's not someone else's job. It's not the pastor's job. It's not the church's job. It's yours. Jesus gives us guidelines here. He has these, they seem like steps, but they're not always these sequential steps we have to follow. It's some guidelines. So what does Jesus say we do first? When a brother or sister sins, what are we to do? He says we are to go. Not wait until they come to us. We are to go to them and point out their fault. Now that translation there of point out, right? In English that sounds a little like I'm just going to point out your faults to you and make you feel bad about them. The, the, the sense of the, the original word there in the Greek is really, it's this idea of, of to make, to reveal it, to bring it out in the open. To, to show them maybe that they don't realize. Or maybe they do and they're hiding it. Or, or they, they, they're not even hiding it, they don't care about it, but they need to be shown. And then the word there too, the pointing out, shows that there has to be some conviction of what is happening. They need some correction. That's what the point out here is in the original. Bringing it to light, the convicting, the, the correcting. It's all included in there. And notice it's just between the two of you. This isn't something you have to go tell everybody. But first, you could just go to that individual. And if they listen, and they repent, it says that you have won them over. And it's done. You've done what Jesus calls you to do. You have led them to see their sin and repent of it and then to receive that forgiveness of that sin and they, you have won them back to the truth. You have won them back into the light. You have won them back on the side of good, on the side of Jesus. And it's done. But sometimes, if there isn't repentance, if there isn't confession, 
maybe you go back again and you go back again and you go back again. But maybe at some point there may be a situation where, you know, Jesus says, take someone else with you. Because maybe if they hear it from more than one person, that will help. That two or three witnesses to their sin, two or three people who love them and care for them about their, about their soul, maybe then they'll listen. And maybe you go back a couple of times with a, a couple of different people because you care too much for that person's welfare. And if they repent and they listen, you've won them over. It's over. But maybe they won't even listen then. And then maybe Jesus says he tell it to the truth, to the church. And maybe there's a situation where you go to your pastor and say, Pastor, I, I need help with this situation. Can you help guide me? Or you go to the, the elders of the congregation who oversee the spiritual welfare of that body of believers. And you work together to help lead that person to repentance. And then Jesus says, you know, if they don't even listen to the church, you know what you have to do? You have to treat them like an unbeliever. Because that is really what their actions are showing. They are unrepentant. They are choosing, after warning, after loving warning, to remain in their sin. Treat them like an unbeliever. He says like a pagan or a tax collector. But even that, even that action is one of love to show them the seriousness of their sin, to show them just how dangerous that sin is that they are allowing in their life and not repenting of. Jesus gives us these guidelines and, and what to do when a fellow Christian sins. Here, he's telling us it's our responsibility. It's our duty. And very often when we, when we read this section, and you know, many of you have heard this before, and often it's, it's applied just to church discipline, things that happen within the body of believers like here. But the fact is, this is in any place where there are Christians gathered and where Christians live together. And so this can look different in many different ways. A parent is to discipline their child. <laughs> it, parents just don't say, oh, you know, they're just kids. But yeah, they, they talk back to me, they disrespect me, they don't obey authorities, they're just kids. No. <laughs> In love for that child's soul, that parent leads that child to repentance and forgiveness. Maybe it's a spouse. And, and, and the one spouse has decided, well, they just, that's just the way they talk to me. It's just how they are. They use harsh words and they're angry all the time. No. <laughs> a spouse is to call their spouse to repentance out of love for their soul, out of love for their eternal welfare. It's a responsibility. A friend, a Christian friend who likes to, likes to bend the truth, 
You know, likes to kind of just shade the truth a little bit. No, it's lies. They are lying and they are putting their soul in danger. A Christian friend will call another Christian friend to repentance because they love them. They care about the eternal welfare of their soul. Maybe it's a family member who's despising the means of grace. That means they don't go to church. They don't receive the sacrament. They don't read their Bible. It's a sin. A Christian is to be in the house of God. A Christian is to be receiving the sacrament. If we are despising those means of grace, it's sin. And for us just to say, oh, they'll figure it out eventually, hopefully. I'll just pray about it and maybe it'll fix itself. Maybe they'll come back. No. It's your responsibility. It's your duty out of love for their soul to lead them to repentance. And God willing, forgiveness. Maybe it's a family member who's living with someone outside of marriage, taking God's gifts of sex and marriage and just using them however they want. Well, you know, they're kids. You know, the, the rest of the world says it's okay. It's not a big deal. No! <laughs> out of love for their souls, out of love for their, their relationship with their God, we have to speak up. We can't stay quiet. For teens, we've got a Christian friend who's involved in things that they shouldn't be, and they know they shouldn't be. It's not your place to say, you know, I hope somebody talks to them. I don't want to say something because I might, I might hurt our relationship. That relationship might end if I speak up. No! Out of love for their soul. We have to speak up. We have to speak the truth. Maybe it's here in the family of believers where there's gossip going on or words that are tearing down and dividing Christians, causing division within the body of Christ and to say, well, you know, hopefully someone else overhears it and they'll talk to them. Or maybe I'll go tell the pastor and he can deal with it. No, you go. When a brother or sister sins, you go. And you point out their fault. You go and, and make it, reveal it. Convict them. Correct them. And God willing, forgive them. This is what Christian love does. This is what Christian love does. To say, you do whatever you want, it's not my responsibility to, to be afraid of doing it uh, because I might hurt a relationship or, or maybe even end a relationship or it might just be weird between us after I talk to them. If that's your approach, then you really don't love them. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> you don't? If you really love their soul, if you really care about them and their relationship with God, if you care more about them than your relationship with them, you have to, in love, speak the truth. To do everything you can to lead them to repentance. Because what if the shoe is on the other foot? 
Isn't that what you would want? I mean, don't you want other Christians to call you to repentance when necessary, to, to point out your sin, to lead you to that forgiveness of Jesus? Isn't that what you want? So why wouldn't I want my neighbor to have the same? Uh, but maybe, maybe you're the one who is caught in a sin. Maybe you're the one that a, a fellow Christians have been trying to reach. What's the instruction given to you here? Three times Jesus uses the word listen. Listen to them. They love you. They care about you. They want you in heaven. Listen to them. I mean, you should want to hear the truth, even if the truth hurts, doesn't it? If you've got a mechanic who fails to tell you that your brakes are bad and they're about to go out because they don't want to lose your business, right? Because you might go somewhere else because you, don't want, you don't, can't afford that. No, you want to know my brakes are bad. <laughs> I need to replace them no matter what it might cost me. Or, or how about your doctor? How happy are you going to be with your doctor if she doesn't tell you that the results show that you have cancer in your body? Because it might make you feel sad. No, tell me I have cancer if that's the case so that we can take care of it. Listen to your fellow brothers and sisters when they are calling you to repentance. They love you. They care about you. They care about your eternal welfare, your relationship with God, and that unity of the body of Christ that is being torn down when there's sin among us. Friends, we have to really, to drive this point home, have to always remember what's at stake here. We're talking about souls at stake. Because sin is just not missteps or mistakes or flaws. Sin separates us from a holy God. Sin makes us worthy of death and hell. Eternal separation from God. It's dangerous. It's deadly. An unrepentant sin in our life that goes unchecked leads to more sin and leads to a destroying of our faith and potentially losing of our salvation. That's what's at stake here. In love for each other, how can we not speak up when a fellow Christian sins? when they need to be called to repentance. If your neighbor's house was on fire and they're sleeping soundly inside, I don't think you'd say, well, you know, someone else will take care of that. You know, maybe someone else will call 911. Maybe someone else will go wake them up. No. If there's a small child who's kind of running out in a railroad here, you wouldn't say, well, I hope someone goes and helps that child. No, you're going to run out there and, and rescue that child. How much more than a house fire, even a child running in a road, is unrepentant sin deadly and dangerous?
So where's our comfort and our strength and, and even our determination in this, what Jesus calls us to do here? We know what we're to do. <laughs> you look at this and say, how do I do that? Jesus tells us here. He says that truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What Jesus is saying there is, is you're doing his work. You are doing this on behalf of him. We are his humble instruments. We are his representatives. We get to be Jesus to each other. That we get to call each other to repentance out of love. And that we get to offer each other that full and free forgiveness with no strings attached when there is that repentance of those sins. We get to be Jesus to one another. And if you wonder, well, how do I do this? How do I carry this out? Jesus says too. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Jesus promises that he's with us as we carry out this work. This work of potentially saving souls. He's with us when we're afraid. He's with us to give us strength and, and the words to say when, when we don't even know what to say or that we're going to screw it up. He's with us to assure us that even when it seems like we failed, that his word never returns to him empty. And he's there to rejoice with us when a sinner is brought to repentance. Dear friends, when a fellow Christian sins, we've got a duty, we have a responsibility. And it's exactly what we would want to be led back to that cross, to be led back to see Jesus sacrifice for our sins and for the sins of people that we love. We're led back to, again, look at that perfect life of that Savior Jesus for us and for our fellow Christians. We long to assure fellow Christians that that Savior Jesus lived for you and he died for you and he rose for you. Your sins are forgiven. Heaven is yours. Jesus calls us to this. He equips us for this. Now he sends us out to love. To love sinners as God loves us, sinners. To give that same full and free forgiveness that we ourselves have received by the grace of God. May God give you the strength and the desire and the ability to do the work that he's called you to do as brothers and sisters in faith to the glory of his name for the salvation of souls. Amen. And now may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your soul, whole soul, spirit, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you. He is faithful and he will do it. Amen. <laughs>